JM and the AM on a Tuesday. Many of us have uh, heard about a charity campaign that's going on to help the Chabad houses in China. You can imagine what's been happening over the last few months as less and less people are traveling to China, and in general, people are uh, moving around at a much slower pace because of coronavirus. Rabbi Avraham Greenberg is in our studio. He's the rabbi of Chabad of Pudong, Shanghai. Is Pudong the right pronunciation? Yes. Oh, just a moment. Just a moment. It seems that the uh, the people who were utilizing our our studio last night may have. How about now, Rabbi? Good morning. Oh, there we go. Good morning. Pudong is the name. That's the right name. And Shanghai, we've heard of. That's yes. a big city in China. Pudong is a part of Shanghai. All right. So it's like a suburb of Shanghai? Yes. Rabbi Shimon Freundlich is going to join us via telephone a little later in this conversation. He is in Chabad of Beijing. Which Correct. is larger, Beijing or Shanghai? Um, the Jewish community is fairly the same, around 2,000 Jewish people. How did you get the assignment to Shanghai? You know, there are, I, I, I don't mean to make you jealous, but there are people from 770 who go to Honolulu and who go to Phoenix and Miami and, and to the southern part of France, but you ended up in China. How long ago did that happen? That was 13 years ago. Um, my older brother, Rabbi Shalom Greenberg, was the first shliach to Shanghai, actually to mainland China. He went there 21, 22 years ago. First one to mainland China. Mm-hmm. Wow. And when things developed, he felt that there is a need for another Chabad house to be in Pudong. So he asked, we were just, uh, after we got married, me and my wife, and he asked us to come and help him to open a new Chabad house And that was Shanghai. 13 years ago? Yes. Is, is your wife happy there? Yeah, uh, as of now, we are not so happy, but yes, usually well, we are right. very happy there. Aside from the virus, <laughs> <laughs> you're happy you moved there. Yes. And you're meeting a lot of Jewish people. Meeting a lot of Jewish people from all around the world. And I would guess those are tourists and maybe a few residents. Would that be accurate? There are also residents that come to live in, in, in Shanghai from between two to five years. They are there for uh, an assignment. And we are working with them, with their kids. We are doing their bar mitzvahs, their bas mitzvahs. What, so what is Shabbos like in Shanghai? That's very interesting. You have around the table people from all around the world and from different backgrounds. Some are Haimisha, Haredim, Lubavitcher. Some are, uh, you know, not from that usually will never st- step their foot into a synagogue. And here yeah. they come and they are joining us. Is there a minion Shabbos morning? Yes. In Pudong? Mm-hmm. And but how about other times during the week? Are there minyanim other times during it, the week as well? No, Pudong is a, we have a smaller community fairly. But so, Shabbos, you're able to serve mm-hmm, the people. And during the week, we are joining uh, my brother Shalom with the... Ah, uh, very good. He he's, has a daily minyan. So he's not far away. Yes, that's an hour away. Uh, the younger kids are going there to join the gun every day, right. every morning. And the davening. Very interesting. So that's what life is like when you're a Chabad rabbi in a suburb of Shanghai. My gosh. Now, when did you start feeling the population for your Chabad house decrease? When did it become obvious that because of the coronavirus and all the news that was spreading worldwide, when did it become obvious that people are staying away? So the corona started during the Chinese New Year when... That's recent. It's a big vacation. Yes, it's uh, three, four weeks ago. Yeah. And uh, during the Chinese New Year, everybody is leaving anyways. So the community is almost empty. Ah. Um, and then the well, thing they go on is starting. Right. 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 Then the corona is starting. And we felt that, you know, we're going to be a week or two at home. Things are going to be back to normal. And, and um, so we are staying in the apartment with the kids. You cannot go out. Right. It's, it's not safe. 
But then two weeks after, when America announced that they are not going to allow anybody who is coming from China who is not American, when airlines started to cancel their flights, this is when even this, the, the, the people that were left in China got into a panic and everybody left. Right. So out of our community, which is regularly 300 Jewish people, three Jews left in Pudong. Are you here because you left or you're here by coincidence? No, we, we were there for the first two weeks and we felt that we were just going to stay and right. we will work with everybody that was left. But then when all the Jewish people were gone, we felt that it doesn't make sense to sit in the apartment closed with yeah. Baruch Hashem, a large family, and nobody, uh, no Jews are in the community. And you had no travel restrictions? You were able to do this without any problems? Yes, we came like two hours On the later. Um, but because we are all Americans, so we were right. allowed to come I'm just in. trying to think, did I shake your hand when you walked in this morning or not? <laughs> yes, you did. I it's did? too late. <laughs> oh, my God. But in all seriousness, you're fine and your family's fine, right? Baruch Hashem. The main thing is in Wuhan. If you didn't come to Wuhan, if right. you were not in touch with people And that's Wuhan, how far from you? That's going to be two hours flight. Two hours flight from your home to, to Wuhan? China is big. It's a big place? Yes. Wow, interesting. Uh, Rabbi Avraham Greenberg, I don't think we've ever had in our studio a uh, Chabad Shliach to Shanghai, China, but he is here. Where are you spending your time now, in Crown Heights? Um, now my family is in uh, Detroit, ah. where my wife is from. The children are finally going to a regular school where they see their teacher, they see the kids right. in their class. And no, more, actually, no more virtual classes, Yes. Huh? And that must are, be interesting. Yes, they are enjoying it. <laughs> They're not going to want to go back to China. <laughs> <laughs> no, they are enjoying their online school perfect. Right. Actually, something interesting happened. In China, they did not open the schools. Right, all the public schools were closed. So they are starting a kind of an online school ah, to the Chinese people. That's interesting. So really, they can come to us to learn how do you run a full school online. Very good. I we like that. We have the experience. Now, um, if there's three Jews, for argument's sake, as you just mentioned, who are now in your community of Pudong, mm-hmm. uh, at what point do you think that that's going to start increasing? Is there any indication that this is going to... You know, start picking up and getting back to normal. Right. So first of all, the numbers, regularly there are 10,000 Jews in China where we have certain Chabad houses serving them. Right. As of now, according to the numbers we get from all the Shluchim, there are around 250 Jewish people all over China. That's it. And that's why we have uh, the three Shluchim in Hong Kong are there. Uh, Hong Kong was not affected so right. much. And in China, we have Rabbi Foynich in Beijing and my brother Rabbi Shalom in Shanghai. He has and, not left. Uh, yes, Rabbi Shimon Foynich is still there from the beginning. About your brother and my also. brother came here to bring his family, and he left. He, he, he went, went back. back this Motzei Shabbos, so they will be there to do the Purim uh, party and uh, reading of the Megillah and everything. That those there won't be that many people at the reading of the Megillah. That's true. They are having tiny Shabbosim. Uh, but you and your brother feel that you have to be there for whoever. If there's one Jew there, you feel that you have to be there for that. Correct. That is going. That is one Jew in China. We were going to have someone to serve those Jews who are remaining in China. Unbelievable. What a commitment, I'll tell you. And the truth is, I would assume, you really have no idea when this is going to end. You have, I mean, this could go for days or, God forbid, much, much longer. It's true. Um, And this brings us to why we are doing the charity campaign, because it brings us to a financial crisis. Right. In other words, what normal? and here's what I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess that what normally happens is that, number one, community members... You know, want to see the Chabad houses thrive, want to see them really mm-hmm. be active, like you do your work, etc. I can only imagine how many roles you play. I mean, I know that, you know, there, there are Chabad Shlichim that are Shochtim and Chabad Shlichim that take care of, obviously, you know, davening and meals and, and, right. and all types of Jewish services. I mean, I can only imagine how many different roles you play and, and all you guys play. Um, so, number one, you have supporters 
who normally are living there or spend you know a good amount. By the way, do you know Rabbi Grunberg? Rabbi Mordechai? Sure. You know Rabbi Grunberg? Sure, I know him. He comes years. to your Chabadas? He comes a lot to Shanghai to do the... So he's the probably also not showing up these days. Yes, the Mashgichim are not going to China now. Yes. Wow. Please send them my best when you see him. Sure, I will. Any, anyway. So, yes. <laughs> anyway, so so you all do all this, and obviously there's a base of support from those who live there and want to see the, uh, you know, like anybody who would be a member of a synagogue, etc. Plus, in addition to that, you and your brother and all the other shlichim, I think it's a total of 13 in China, right? Right. 13 shlichim in different cities. All of them uh, meet tourists, business people, uh, people from both Israel and around the world who who come, and obviously because you give them the services that you provide, They'll leave a donation, et cetera, et cetera. So now that whole operation has basically come to a halt. There's just no right. there's no finances available for you guys to continue your work. So now there's a charity campaign that has been set up. I'm assuming that this campaign supports all 13 Chabad yes, houses. definitely. Shanghai, Beijing. What other cities have I heard of? Have I heard of any other city that's, that's on the list? That, uh, uh, Chengdu. Never heard of it. Shenzhen. Never heard of it. Guangzhou. Never heard of it. Obviously Hong Kong. Oh, Hong Kong. Yibu, Ningbo. Do you know Chinese? A few words. You don't need to know it to be there. There are no Chinese Jews. Right. Everybody are foreigners. So anybody that you are in touch with, you know, basically Correct. knows English, Hebrew, Yiddish. Correct. And that's sufficient. Interesting. Um, so yes, 90, uh, you know, the communities that we have are not long-term communities. People are coming for two to three years and then right. they move on. So we don't have a long-term community that has right. a long-term commitment. So 90% of our income, the income of our Chabad houses, comes from the travelers and business people who are coming and leaving a donation while they are using our services. So for this two or three months, nobody is coming. But at the same time, we need to continue to pay utilities and sure. rent in order to be there while everybody else and is coming And provide services back. for those who are there. I mean, 100%. Does 770 help at all with this? Are they, uh, are they yes. partners with you in this? Um, the, uh, Rabbi Kotlarski from the headquarters and Rabbi Aftsen, the Hedgeliach in China, uh, were uh, getting a lot of support at the beginning to hold us until now. But we are now we need uh, more, so we are turning to Klalisol to help us to survive no, tr- this corona. Trust me, knowing this audience, if they know they're in partnership with Rai Kudlarski and the people in 770, they're going to be very happy about that because obviously they can't support every Chabad house around the world, but, uh, but if they know that they're supporting them uh, or supporting you in this case, then believe me, they'll be more enthusiastic about giving. Go to charity.com slash China, C-H-A-R-I-D-Y dot com slash China. Uh, Rabbi um, Rabbi Greenberg has come all the way from Pudong, Shanghai, to be in our studio this morning and tell us about the situation there in China. And it's pretty severe, as you hear. Uh, the tens of thousands of people that are normally in China uh, from our community around the world are just not there anymore. And if you want them to continue their services in China, uh, then we ask you to uh, unite uh, with the folks at 770 and unite with the Chabad houses in China and its uh, environs by giving whatever you can. Charity.com slash China, C-H-A-R-I-D-Y dot com slash China. You couldn't come up with an easier website than that. There's two days and 16 hours left to the campaign. The campaign is flexible funding, which I think is the right way to go, frankly, in this case, where the organization will receive every donation that's given. So don't worry about doubling and tripling. Just give a donation, and you know it's going straight to them, and hopefully – They'll reach the $1 million goal. If, God forbid, they don't, they still, thank God, are going to get uh, the money that everybody's raising for them. They have almost 2,000 donors at this point. You could put a nice message up, which so many people, both Jews and non-Jews, have done, by the way. I don't know if you noticed that. There are Jews and non-Jews Why? who are contributing. 
And uh, and right now they're just under 400,000. They're at 388,000, 388,000. So give what you can, and hopefully the next two days will be very successful. Charity.com slash China. Charity.com slash China. How old, if I may ask, is your oldest child? Is that a question I can ask? He's 15. And is he not spending his time in China generally? He's learning in yeshiva in Detroit. I have oh, two that's sons are learning in yeshiva. And, and until eighth grade they were in China? Yes. Interesting. Learning... So it's not unusual. I mean, in many Jewish communities, you know, guys will go at the age of 14, 15 and dorm in different high schools around the world. So it's not yes. an unusual situation. Plus, you said he has family out there. Why? To be a family in Detroit? If not for coronavirus, would, would a teenager travel back to you in China once or twice a year or that doesn't happen? Yeah, they come back for Pesach. They do. For Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkot, Simchastayra. Did they help you out, Rabbi? Did they give out the matzahs and help you sure, out? Sure, sure. <laughs> Our kids are... Uh, um, an essential part of our shlichas, they are talking to, I mean, families are coming for Shabbos because their children want to play with our children. They are talking to their friends. They're putting on film with their adults. They are uh, shluchim just like me and my wife. Do, do you go around on Fridays? Sure. Putting on tefillin? I go around on Fridays. I bring people to our Chabad house. Anybody that comes, he wants to eat. He wants to find out about what goes on in Shanghai right away. We'll offer do, them do to the, put on tefillin. Do the regular residents of Shanghai look at you in an unusual fashion or they're used to you at this point? Like, what do they, what do they think of the Chabad community? You talk about the Chinese? Yeah, regular Chinese community. When we came to China, it was 13 years ago, we rented an apartment and we started the Chabad from the apartment. Then came, it was Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, everything was fine. Then came Sukkot. We needed to build a Sukkah. Uh-oh. <laughs> so we got permission from the management of the complex to build a Sukkah in the center of the complex. We needed to, to give a nice envelope under the table, but it everything worked, was but fine. It worked, but it worked. <laughs> so we built a Sukkah and we wanted to do Chinese style. So instead of making it, you know, you do the frame for metal, but then instead of covering it with plastic, we covered it with bamboo sheets nice. that looked Chinese. So two days into, you know, the first two days is Yom Tev, the third day. The, the agent that got for me the apartment, he got for me the permission to build it, he calls me, Rabbi, what have you built? I said, I built a sukkah. And the agent knows Jewish people from New York. He says, is this what Jewish people build all around the world? I said, yes. What's the problem? She tells me, the whole complex is complaining against you. I said, what's the problem? What did I do? We found out that there is a Chinese old custom that when someone is passing away, they keep the dead body in a bamboo hut. Ay, 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 <laughs> so everybody is fully convinced that I'm keeping dead bodies ay, in my sukkah. Ay, 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 ay. So she tells me, Rabbi, I'm coming to visit you. I said, sure, no problem. So she comes, I'm going down, it's, you know, it's Cholomite morning with my black hat, with my long black sirtuk, and with the lulav and esrig to the sukkah. And the agent comes with her two secretaries, and on the way she sees me, she looks at me, from top to bottom, she's asking me. They asked me, who is the magician that comes to visit the dead bodies twice oh a day? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my. Did you survive that circus? Yeah, everything was fine. After you give the envelope, everything is fine. And they stood with their word. But you told me, Rabbi, next time you find a better place to put your sukkah and don't do it with bamboo. Unbelievable. So that was our uh, nice uh, China story. You don't close the streets on Simcha's Torah, do you? Not like Eastern Parkway. No, not at all. But the, <laughs> the Chinese love the Jewish people. They look up to the Jewish people. Seriously. When they realize that you're Jewish, they say, the Amalek, they say, oh, wow, Jewish people are we've, very, very we've smart. Been we've been told that there's a movement in China and that part of the world to learn Talmud, that there's actually an interest in Talmud among people in that part of the world. That's true. There is an interest of learning Judaism, right. learning Talmud. Plus, you know that many Chinese business people do business with Israel, with people in Israel. 100%, yes. Companies in Israel, etc. Uh, Rabbi Avraham Greenberg is here. Rabbi Chabad of Pudong, Shanghai. 
Rabbi Shimon Freundlich, I believe, is with us. You'll need your headphones. I believe is with us live via telephone. Rabbi Freundlich, are you there? I am. Shalom Aleichem. Aleichem Shalom. Rabbi Freundlich is from Chabad of Beijing. Now, Rabbi Greenberg, you're originally from where? You were born in Israel. In Israel. Rabbi Freundlich, where are you originally from? England. Rabbi Freundlich, I will tell you what I tell every Chabad Shliach who walks in here from an unusual place. You know, I don't know if they've told you this at 770, you know there are people who get assigned to Honolulu and Phoenix and South Florida and the southern part of France. How on earth did you fall for it when they sent you to China? (laughs) By the way, the ones in Hawaii and Las Vegas, those are the smart ones. (laughs) So how how did you get to Beijing? I was a shliach beforehand in Hong Kong. Wow. Right now, the head shliach of China, Rabbi Afton, is in Hong Kong currently. And I was a shliach by him for five years before I came to Beijing. In the year 2000, I saw in the South China Morning Post, the local newspaper in Hong Kong, that um, there's a, Beijing put in a bid for the Olympics. Right. And I contacted the head office and said, listen here, um, you know, we don't have Chabad in the capital of China. China's the future. I mean, now it's the present. Then it was the future. Right. And basically they said, listen, why don't you go there, see how many Jews are there, scout it out, write us a report, and we'll let you know. And the rest is history. Unbelievable. That time, there was about 300 Jews. Today, there's close to 2,000. Unbelievable. And there, I, and look, I, I don't want to repeat everything. Rabbi Greenberg gave us a really nice... Uh, a review of what's going on in your section of the world, but I would assume that you, you like him, uh, have residents there in the Beijing area, and in addition to that, especially you, have plenty of tourists, uh, both the vacation tourists and business tourists, who are visiting you on a regular basis. Correct. We get all the tourism here because of the Great Wall, the Summer Palace, the Forbidden City, and Tiananmen Square. That's why we get all the uh, tourists, tens of thousands a year. Have you ever put filling on somebody at the Great Wall, Rabbi? We've actually had a bar mitzvah on the Great Wall of China. And I remember it was like 8 o'clock in the morning. Now, you have to understand, imagine you are somebody that has taken a trip to China and then driven two hours to the Great Wall. It's 8 o'clock in the morning. You're a non-religious Israeli. And you start walking on the Great Wall, and then you go through certain sections where you have to bend down and go through an archway and you lift up your eyes, and you see a minion with a safe potato. Wow. The, the guy looked at us, and he said, Gampo? Gampo? <laughs> also Un- here? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Uh, and by the way, I just want to point out, Rabbi Freundlich, you're actually speaking to us from Beijing right now, right? I am, yes. Unbelievable. But your family has left because of what's going on, correct? Correct. There's no schools open. We're not allowed to be open. There's nobody here, even if we were open. Right. And there's no entertainment. You'd have to stay inside all day. Those that actually have to be here are going a little bit insane. I can only imagine. Not easy, that's for sure. And in terms of the number of people, you're basically seeing nobody, right? I mean, I would assume both both Shabbos and during the week, it's a challenge. Every day, I go to the Chabad house, and I'm there for about half an hour. I meet the few Jews that are left in Beijing and give them kosher food, packaged kosher food, because obviously the restaurant's not open. Mm-hmm. I use it as a, 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 you know, a moment to sit and learn something, put fill in, etc., moral support, and then I go back home. 
I don't like to go outside for um, a long time. It's uh, at this current time, it's an unwise thing to do. Uh, is is Beijing? I mean, we know where the the epicenter of this whole thing is in Wuhan, and Rabbi Greenberg told us it's a two hour flight uh, or more from where you are. Uh, is Beijing affected? Are there a lot of victims in the Beijing in the city of Beijing? No, there are since it began eight deaths and 411 infected and 287 so far recovered. Well, we're, we're getting into similar numbers here in the U.S., so I guess it's not, uh, not much worse than it is here in terms of that area. Right. Uh, all right, so now, look, we, we've spoken about the campaign. It's charity.com slash China, C-H-A-R-I-D-Y dot com slash China. Uh, knowing this audience, they're very anxious to team up with uh, the people at 770 to make this work and to give whatever they can. Every single dollar is going to the 13 Chabad houses in China, which is a wonderful thing. I think it was really smart not to make this dependent on anything. If anybody gives $18, that $18 goes straight to it, and obviously you can give as much as you want. You're at 388000 right now with two days and 16 hours left to go. Rabbi Freundlich, now is the time to speak directly with those who have visited China, those who have been in your Chabad house, those who appreciate why your Chabad house needs to continue to exist and to thrive. What could you tell this audience about giving to charity.com slash China? Okay, so I'm going to say as follows. Um, in, in a regular community where you have different facets within the Jewish spectrum, and Yemenites, and so on and so forth. Chabad is just one part of that. We just want one community within a larger Jewish community. Here in China, we are the Jewish community. If there's anybody else here, they're, they're like second to us, just simply because there aren't many of them at all. Right. So most people know somebody that has gone to China. They may have even gone to China themselves, but even somebody that has never been to China or somebody that doesn't know anybody going to China, what's his shaykhus? His shaykhus is that when he gives money to this campaign, he is supporting Judaism in, I would venture to say, one of the most important countries in the world. In order for us to survive tomorrow, we need help today. We literally welcome Jews from all ends of the spectrum, from the strimal goers <laughs> to those who don't even know what their Jewish name is. <laughs> and they sit at our Shabbos table, and they eat the same food, they sing the same songs, they listen to the same Torah, they create the same atmosphere of Shabbos together, all under one roof. Chabad of China, in Asia in general, it's uh, structured this way, we represent not only Judaism, the way everybody sees it, because of the amount of traffic going through here, because of the importance of this country, but what Judaism is all about. So when you support us, you are really supporting you and who you represent. Uh, I fully agree with you. And, uh, and, and when you say it, it, you, the guests at your Shabbos table run the gamut, you, you literally could be sitting with someone who barely knows he's Jewish and with a Satmer Chassid at the same table. 100%. Not only that. Some of them are coming from different parts of the world that they can't even communicate with each other because they don't speak the same language. Right. Hey, by but the way. God is there to pull them all together. By the way, I asked this to Rabbi Greenberg. Do you know, do you know any Chinese or not? Yes, I do. Enough to negotiate. Nice. And to find directions. 
And you and you must I, I, and you must know I, our. I, yeah, I'm sorry. I, I, I want to say something. Just one more nakuda about this uh, the fundraising campaign. Yeah. You know, in in China, um, a lot of our what we do is seasonal. So, for example, myself, um, where where we have a lot of uh, tour groups and tourists coming here. You know, we know that there's certain times of the year where there's more, certain times where there's less. So before it gets less, then we put more efforts into fundraising just to make sure that we don't um, um, fall short, right? right? right. I'll give you an example. Some of the shluchim spend time traveling to factories in China producing kosher food for exports, which is another reason, by the way, somebody who's never been here or doesn't know anybody that has been here should support simply because probably the food that they're eating, some of the raw materials come from here. Right. Food additives, food preservatives, which the shluchim are visiting these factories. Right. We spend a short amount of time within the week doing that. And it's, it's, it's a very, very important part, component of our job. Okay? It's one of the aspects where we are able to draw funding in from. The tourists, the business people, the tour groups, Right? So each time, for example, when it comes Chinese New Year, and for like a month, the factories are not really working. So therefore, we know that the cashless aspect of income is a little bit going to be low. We put a few months before we make sure we collect more money for that. Basically, all those aspects that I mentioned before, that's what happens. Right now, there are no tourists. There are no tour groups. There are no business people. There's no visiting factories producing kosher food for export. I myself support part of my budget from airline meals. We're a catering company in the airport. There's nobody flying here. Every part of our income has come to a screeching halt. And therefore, we are begging Klal Yisrael, the Jewish world, to please support us today so we can welcome you tomorrow. Support us today because when you give us that dollar, that supports who you are, which is represented by what we are doing here. Rabbi Shimon Freundlich, literally in Beijing, Chabad of Beijing, asking everybody to unite for the Jews in China. The campaign is accessible at charity.com slash China, C-H-A-R-I-D-Y dot com slash China, C-H-A-R-I-D-Y dot com slash China. They've raised 388000 they want to get to one million by the end of the uh, of the, by the deadline, which is two days and sixteen hours from now. Give what you can, everybody. You see how uh, important it is, and just how critical a time it is to support the Jews of China and the thirteen Chabad houses, which are going through this terrible, terrible situation. The the screeching halt that Rabbi Freundlich described um, uh, it must be a very, very empty feeling for the families that have made this commitment to be in China and be there for all the Jews who visit and all the Jews who live there. So do what you can. 388,000 is where they are right now. Again, it's two days and 16 hours left. Try to take care of it today. Every penny goes to the 13 Chabad houses. Unite for the Jews in China by going to charity.com slash China, charity, C-H-A-R-I-D-Y dot com slash China. Rabbi Freundlich, before I let you go, when's the last time you saw our good friend Rabbi Mordechai Grunberg? A long time ago. Oh, really? He's he's a great, yeah, he's a great friend. Really. Yes. I met him so many years ago, um, you know, when, when I started to do work for the OU as well. Yeah, he's fantastic. Uh, so he hasn't been there for a while. I assume it's coronavirus. No, I have, well, well, the thing is like this. He doesn't necessarily use 
Beijing is its base. Beijing is, um, is the capital. Beijing is like Washington. Shanghai is like New York. A lot of the factories are near Shanghai. So although he may pass through Beijing because of the direct flight to Israel, so it's convenient for him, but he actually travels, um, uses Shanghai as his base. But from time to time, we see each other. There you go. Now we understand why Rabbi Greenberg sees him more often. Rabbi Freundlich, good luck. We are thinking of you. We're going to remind our audience to be as supportive as possible. Thank you very, very much. I appreciate that very, very much. Thank you very, very much for that. A bracha from many thousands. How many thousands of miles is Beijing from here, from New York? Do you have any idea? 9,000? 8,000? A nice bracha from thousands of miles away. Yes. Seems like a nice man, Rabbi Freundlich. 100%. Special man. Uh, Rabbi Greenberg, I thank you. I don't know what else we could say at this point. I mean, we want the campaign to succeed. I told you that I think that this audience take special pride in partnering with uh, Rabbi Kutlarski and everybody who's been helping you raise money till this point. Mm-hmm. The campaign is flexible funding, everybody. The organization gets every single donation, which means the 13 Chabad houses will benefit um, from whatever donation you give. So try to utilize uh, the next two days and 15 hours to get them to $1 million before the deadline. And obviously, if you could do it this morning, if you could do it uh, today, that would be wonderful. Let us show our brothers and sisters in China that we are concerned about them and ready to uh, to pledge support and give support in order to keep them going. Go to charity.com slash China, C-H-A-R-I-D-Y dot com slash China. My thanks to Rabbi Freundlich, who called in from Chabad of Beijing, or by Avraham Greenberg, Chabad of Pudong, Shanghai, is in studio. Rabbi, anything you'd like to add? You can join my friend Rabbi Shimon. We're saying the same thing. Uh, please stand with us today. So we can be there for you tomorrow to welcome Klalisol who are coming to China Mamish. and continue to teach Torah, to put on tefillin, to do, to serve anybody from all around the world, um, and make sure that uh, Judaism continues to thrive in China. He had a bar mitzvah at the Great Wall. Yes. What was the craziest thing that happened to you? The sukkah. The, the sukkah, sukkah was quite uh, quite crazy. <laughs> we are not looking for more crazy things. That's what's good enough. <laughs> there you go. But but we will see you walking around on Fridays asking people to put on tefillin. Visiting Definitely. them and asking them. Definitely. We're going to stores, to offices, I mean, uh, throughout the week, not only on Friday. Right. But Friday is always a big day, right? Right. I mean, learning Torah, we have uh, every Sunday a Hebrew school with 30 children, and they're coming with their parents. We're teaching them Torah. 30 children? Mm-hmm. We have every Monday we go to the, there is a diamond exchange. Wow. In Shanghai, we have a share with 10 people. We have NYU Shanghai as a campus. We are teaching their 20 students and professors. So Unbelievable. Uh, learning Torah, we have 50 We have fifty Jews who are coming to Ochabar every week to learn Torah. And yes, we do what we can. I thank you very much for being here today. Thank you very much. Rabbi uh, Avraham Greenberg, Rabbi of Chabad of Pudong, Shanghai, in our studio. A uh, reminder, charity.com slash China, C-H-A-R-I-D-Y dot com slash China. If you give right now at that website, all 13 Chabad houses in China will benefit. And you are listening to America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program, heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSiegel.com and the NachumSiegel Network, and of course, on the beloved NSN app. Mm-hmm.